never clock out. Clock in, never clock out. No way with the slackers. No, no way with the slackers. No, 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 no way with the slackers. Clock in, never clock out. Clock in, never clock out. Welcome, welcome to the Path of Revelation podcast. I'm your host, Gabriel Parker, and this is where the culture meets scripture. Listen, I'm super excited. I have a great show today for you guys. I took a week off last week, didn't drop an episode, but listen, um, I want to continue today dealing with racism and the gospel, racism and the gospel. This conversation around racism, white privilege, white supremacy, injustice, there are so many different nuances to this conversation and and so many aspects to consider. And so I don't know how long I'm going to be chipping away at this. You know, I've, I've been trying to be careful with my commentary around this subject because it's really sensitive, you know. And, and and not that I'm afraid to offend people for the sake of truth, but when I speak on this particular topic, I want to make sure that my heart is in the right place and that I'm actually bringing glory to God. You know, um, out of all of the topics that I've discussed on the Path of Revelation podcast and and for you guys who are regular listeners, you know that I don't shy away from hard topics or controversial topics, but I must say out of all of the things that I've discussed on the Path of Revelation podcast, this probably has the most has to be the most challenging topic and subject matter that I've ever covered just because there are so many vantage points to consider. Um, not everyone's experience is the same and, and, and all of these things come into factor when approaching the topic of race. And so today I want to deal with race and the gospel. Um, But before I get into all of that, I do have a featured song for this episode from my brother, J. Will Music. Um, Most of you guys are familiar with J. Will's podcast, Inspire God's People. I would encourage you to check out his podcast. But he also just released a new EP titled To Whom It May Inspire. And man, it's five songs, but all five songs are 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 completely fire. And so I want to share the opening song of that project titled Fate of the World. But listen, before we hop into that, I also want to just say thank you to all of the supporters of Path of Revelation podcast. Um, many of you have donated uh, to the ministry. Many of you have reached out to me to tell you how much of a blessing this podcast has been to you guys. And and I just want to thank you guys for your support. I want to thank you guys for your prayers. I want to thank you guys for sharing the show with other people. I really appreciate it and I don't take it for granted. So I thank you guys for just being faithful supporters of what I do. Um, also, I want you guys to go to pathofrevelationnow.com. Um, I just launched or relaunched the POR apparel line. I have two new merch items available right now. Power Love Sound Mind t-shirt, which comes in black and white. Also, fear is greater than love um, or love, excuse me, love is greater than fear 
NFT, which comes in black and white as well. You can go to pathofrevelationnow.com to check out those, those items. And listen, man, they look, I think they look dope. Um, so make sure you grab a t-shirt or two for you and your family. And look again, I appreciate you guys support, but listen, let's hop into the featured song for this episode It's titled fate of the world by J will music guys, people we're living in the midst of a pandemic. I'm praying for anybody who's been impacted by this. Should I feel bad that I'm still inspired? But I hear the voice of the Lord speaking to me so clear right now. He's telling me to inspire you. What if the fate of the world depended on you to be you, me to be me, Moses to lead, Joseph to dream, Hannah to pray for Samuel the priest, Jonah to pray from the depths of the beast? Tell me, what if it means... A night with the lions for Daniel because of his faith. Jeremiah prophesying while tears run from his face. What if weeping may endure for a night and you wake up in the morning and it's still there? Rahab, cover for the spies, gave a prostitute purpose. That's the mighty hand of God. Ruth went from Moab to follow Naomi. It wasn't just for Boaz, Obed, and Jesse. Samuel went to Jesse for a king, found his youngest son, David, bloodline of a savior. David went to Saul with his harp. When he played it, evil spirits would depart. God knew his ark. Noah's ark was the start of a new generation like Joshua. They crossing the Jordan like Iverson. From the wilderness to the promised land, this is God's plan. Can't you see that it all leads to Jesus from Abraham and Isaac, the ram that was in the tree? Represented a savior that comes in your time of need to lay his life down for you. You can walk away free, free to live in your purpose, free to become a servant. Freedom from all the pain, the pandemic, the hurting. Freedom from all the fill in the blanks. What if the fate of the world depended on me to walk in my purpose and follow God's lead? To stand in the midst of the fallen To try to be a light To pray while they panic Say ready for the fight What if Pharaoh said no When you said let him go Would you leave and never come back Would you tell him so These are my people That means they're God's people You gon' have problems Cause I'm willing to die with them If the king made a statue 90 foot gold Would you bow when he tell you to Or would you tell him no And go to the furnace Seven times hotter So you know that it's burning If a virus hit the world And the whole church closed Does the spirit live inside of you Or would you be exposed Would you lose all the faith That you said that you had When you really felt safe Now you scared cause it's bad I know you scared and it's bad but it's time for you to turn around and travel your Damascus road. The going gets tough and the tough keep going. Cause the fate of the world is dependent on you. The fate of the world is dependent on you. The gospel and racism. So these this 2020 has just been a crazy year altogether, but... This last week and a half has really been crazy, in my opinion, just for the whole world, seems like. But 
in this particular time, I've been really trying to be careful with how I articulate myself and the things that I say, not because I'm afraid, but more so because I believe that this particular topic in terms of racism, injustice, social justice, all of these things, white privilege, white supremacy, all of these things that are kind of balled up into one big ball. I feel this topic is extremely sensitive and just to be honest, it's been a lot to process for me. It's been a lot to process. And I feel I feel like I've been on an emotional roller coaster um, every time I, I hop on social media or look at the news. And so for me, what has been really important for me for my own sanity and peace is I've had to step away multiple times. I've had to get into prayer, get in my word, um, have critical dialogue with with brothers in the faith that I, I I respect greatly who who have challenged me and I've challenged them and and different things like that and this this time has been so consuming and draining that I, I I've been careful with what I've said and how I've spoken out because man I don't know how I, I'm watching people online every day it seems like they're speaking out every day speaking out almost every five minutes or 10 minutes and it's like man it's almost like I'm watching people literally lose their mind and so what's really been important for me is to really seek the heart of God as it relates to this topic and I in no way am, am claiming to have all of the answers or or have the perfect perspective as it relates to these things. But I think it's important that we as Christians be Christians in times like this. Like we should always be Christians, but in times like this where the world is in a, in, is in a frenzy or uproar, like we as the, as the body of believers, this is when we're supposed to shine brightest. Because in times of conflict and times when people are feeling helpless and hopeless, this is when people are, are looking for hope the most. And we as believers who, who trust in the Lord, we have the answer. And so one of my goals and one of the things that I've really been striving to do especially in these times is stay rooted in the Lord and, and really searching my heart and, and, and asking the Lord to search my heart. If there be any, uh, any personal agendas that are not in line with his word and giving me the strength and the desire to lay them down at his feet. And so I've, found myself in a unsettled and complex place over the last week and a half as the world erupted in outrage and chaos in response to George Floyd's murder. I've been grieved and encouraged. I've been grieved by how easily people are controlled and manipulated by the media and social media, including Christians. 
I've also been grieved by some of the hateful and unloving responses I've seen from some Christians. But I've also been encouraged to see Christians from all ethnic backgrounds come together to glorify God, to worship, to talk and empathize with black people and and one another. And so I've I've found myself in a complex place for a couple of reasons. Being a black male who grew up on the west side of Detroit, I was blessed and fortunate to have two great parents in the home who raised me and my siblings to love God, taught us how to pray and the importance of reading the scriptures. I had a great father who was gr- who was a great example of what it meant to be a husband. I had a great mother who was a great example of what it meant to be a wife. But when I would leave my home, I didn't have to go far to see the effects of undervalued people and segregation as the result of systematic racism. Things like redlining, black people being denied loans because of their zip code, underfunded schools, which made things harder for kids in the city from those in the suburbs. And what we don't talk about enough or even empathize with enough is the psychological effect that systematic racism has had on the black community from generation to generation. The cycle that we see in many spiritual circles, we would refer to it as generational curses. But having friends who were fatherless, having friends who had parents who were on drugs or sold drugs, who would later become drug users and sellers themselves, witnessing gang culture, crime, murder, not valuing life and low self-worth, I find myself in an unsettled and complex place because while I recognize these conditions as the result of the sin of systematic racism and prejudice, I also see the need for us to take responsibility for the well-being of our communities, which means I cannot divorce myself from taking responsibility for my personal development and decisions. And so while I acknowledge the reality of my environment and the challenges and the dangers that it presents to me, I must realize, and I may actually need help to realize that I don't have to be a victim to my circumstances. I don't have to be a victim to my environment. But we have to realize as Christians, some people or a lot of people need help. They need compassion and they need love. And so on one hand, I believe that we can acknowledge the system that helped produce the cycle that we see 
in many black communities today, while on the other hand, acknowledging that if true change is going to take place within our communities, it has to first start with us looking in the mirror. And so whether you grew up without a father or mother or whether you grew up in an abusive home, whether you were molested, whether you've lost loved ones or a loved one to the streets, I don't care how hopeless it may seem or may look, you do not have to be defined by the broken parts of your past or even your present. I'm reminded of the story of Mary Magdalene, the former prostitute who was caught in the act of adultery by religious leaders, the Pharisees. And as they're, and as they're about to stone her to death, here comes Jesus to her defense. Now, what was interesting about this story is that she was guilty of the sin. But her being guilty of the sin did not keep the Lord from showing her compassion. And so Jesus steps in front of her and he speaks to the religious leaders and he says, let he who is without sin cast the first stone. And the Bible lets us know that they were convicted in their hearts. And one by one, they begin to drop their stones and walk away. And then Jesus turns to her and says, woman, where are your accusers? Has anyone condemned you? And Mary responds to him and says, no, Lord. And Jesus responds to her and says, neither do I condemn you. And he ends with. Now go and sin no more. See, the Lord knows how to deal with our past without making it counterproductive to our future. Mary was one of the first ones to see the risen Christ and proclaim he's risen. The brokenness of your past doesn't matter when you come to Jesus. In Matthew chapter 11, verse 28 through 30, the Lord says, come to me, all who labor in our heavy laden, and I will give you rest. He says, take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Hallelujah. First Peter chapter five, verse seven says, casting all your care upon him. For he cares for you. See, the answer. Is Jesus. Don't conform to this world by allowing your emotions and anger and what you see to overshadow what you profess to believe. Christian walk by faith, not by sight. Don't allow the reality of the trouble you see to become bigger in your mind than the God that we can't see. Don't even let Christians who lose faith and demonstrate hate and evil 
cause you to turn away from Christ. Just because some some stop looking to Christ as the answer doesn't mean that he's no longer the answer. So whether literal or metaphorically, just because the world is on fire doesn't mean that Jesus stopped being the savior of the world. He is still the answer. I'm reminded of Romans chapter five, verse 20, where it says where sin increased. Grace abounded all the more. And so what this means is that there is never a time in our society when it will get so bad that the gospel isn't able to penetrate the evil. But we have to turn to Christ and see him as the solution. We have to see Christ as the answer to racism and partiality. We have to see Christ as the answer to hate and murder and evil. And really, when we deal with the sin of racism, what we're really dealing with is the sin of partiality. And we see an example of this in the scriptures when we look at Galatians chapter two, where 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 Paul is actually confronting Peter to his face. But before we look at Galatians chapter two, verse 11 through 14. What was what's interesting about this particular story in Galatians 2 is in Acts chapter 10, verse 34 through 35, we have Peter um, receiving revelation that there is no partiality with God. And, and so the, what he's realizing is salvation isn't just for the Jews. Peter, a Jew, is realizing that the gospel is for all men. And so in Acts chapter 10, verse 34 through 35, we see Peter writing, truly, I understand that God shows no partiality, but in every nation, anyone who fears him and does what is right is acceptable to him. Now, you would think that Peter, who's coming to this revelation that, hey, the Gentiles are grafted in as well. You would think that him receiving this revelation, he would have no more partiality in his heart. But we see that's not the case when we come to Galatians 2. And so you can acknowledge something to be true but but still not have the revelation fully take root in your heart. And we see this in Galatians 2, where Peter um, is confronted by Paul for showing partiality towards the Jews, or in other words, showing favoritism to the Jews in the presence of the Gentiles. And in verse uh, 11 in Galatians chapter 2, it says, but when Peter came to Antioch, I confronted him to his face because he stood condemned. Verse 12, for before certain men came from James, he was eating with the Gentiles. But when they came, he drew back and separated himself, 
fearing the circumcision party. The circumcision, the, when it says the circumcision party is referring to the Jews. So in other words, let me paint the picture. Peter is chilling, breaking bread with the Gentiles. He's laughing. They're just buddy, buddy. And soon as James comes with the Jews, the Bible lets us know that Paul, um, Peter withdraws himself from the Gentiles for fear of what the Jews will think of him. And so he's found showing partiality towards the Jews and he elevates his partiality for the Jews above the gospel. Verse 13 says, and the rest of the Jews acted hypocritically along with him. And so when the Jews saw how Peter was being a hypocrite, they started acting as he was acting towards the Gentiles so that even Barnabas was led astray by their hypocrisy. Verse 14. But when I saw that their conduct was not in step with the truth of the gospel, I said to Peter before them all, if you, though a Jew, live like a Gentile and not like a Jew, how can you force the Gentiles to live like Jews? And so he's confronted by Paul for his partiality. And this is my concern that many of us are doing the same thing around the whole race conversation and the conversation concerning systematic racism and white privilege. We we are partial. We're showing partiality to our political parties. We're showing partiality to the groups that we're a part of instead of striving to stand with God and on the Lord's side, even if it means disagreeing with with my clique, even if it means disagreeing with my political party. And so for many of us, we have idols and we're in denial about the idols that we've created in our hearts that sometimes hinder us from being effective in our witness to people that need the gospel that we proclaim. And so out of defending our loyalties, we end up cutting people off and we we end up with collateral damage. People become uh, people become a part of our collateral damage because we didn't want to humble ourselves and see from their vantage point. And strive to win them to the Lord. Listen, I have no doubt in my mind that the gospel is the answer to racism. But when it comes to dealing with racism, some of us lack the ability to apply the gospel without being dismissive and lacking compassion. I see partiality on both sides when we're called to be on the same side as believers. I see this from Christians who believe that white privilege and systematic racism are things that no longer exist today because they have a loyalty to their political party and network. So they're dismissive towards people's personal experiences. 
And the fact that what some of these black people are seeing in the media as it relates to police profiling and brutality is resonating with many of these people because it reflects their personal experience of being profiled or mistreated by police. Listen, I've been profiled by white officers before. And and yeah, I know that doesn't mean that that there aren't unjust and wicked black officers. That's not what I'm saying. But we can't be dismissive of legit partiality and bias. Regardless of what side of the fence you're on in the argument, we as Christians cannot show partiality. I've watched some of these Christians say very little or be silent about the unjust murder of George Floyd, but go on rants for days about how stupid and and unjust the looting is. And so there is partiality. I also see partiality from Christians who have adopted the mantra Black Lives Matter. And listen, I stand with and believe the ideology that black lives do matter. I just don't support the ideology of the organization Black Lives Matter because I believe that they have attached demonic agendas to a legit cause. And listen, I'm not about to go into what the all of the ins and outs of what the organization actually believes because I don't want to get away from the point that I'm trying to make and drive home in this episode, but I would encourage you to go onto their site and read their mission statement for yourself. And also my brother Jay will with inspire God's people, the podcast, he just dropped an episode today dealing with the difference between the ideology, black lives matter and the actual organization, black lives matter. I think it's a a great listen for you. You should check it out whenever you have time, if you already have it. But I believe that's important, that it is important for us to understand these things, because even in the midst of us dealing with racial inequality or racial injustice in our country, it is important for us to not be ignorant of the devil's devices, because the enemy will actually attach himself to a righteous cause just to present different agendas that will pull people away from Christ. And so in our efforts to fight against injustice and racial bias or or partiality, we must not abandon Christ. And so I've witnessed Christians who have adopted the mantra Black Lives Matter display partiality and hatred towards white people. I've watched them justify looting and destruction of property. And listen, there's a difference between understanding the frustration behind why people are doing something wrong and justifying somebody doing something wrong because they're frustrated. In a nutshell, we as Christians, we should not justify sin in response to sin. 
And so while we empathize with people, we have to make sure that we don't compromise our core or or our foundation in the process. And so I've watched black Christians be more unashamed and unapologetic about their blackness than their Christianity. And so their Christianity is thrown out the window for their ethnic pride making their ethnicity an idol. Listen, I don't have to idolize my blackness to be proud to be black. I'm proud of who God made me. I'm proud of the community that I come from. I take pride in in where I grew up and who I am. But don't get it twisted. I don't idolize my heritage. And my identity is in Christ Jesus. And so as black Christians, we can't seek to justify. And listen, hear me good when I say this. As black Christians, we can't seek to justify our sin and partiality just because we're not in a position to inflict systematic racism on white people. Just because I may not have the privilege or authority to afflict my partiality on someone doesn't mean that God isn't going to judge my partiality. Man looks on the outward. But God sees the intent of the heart. God judge judges the intent of our hearts. And so we have to stand On the Lord's side, regardless of our background and where we're from. If any man be in Christ, he is a new creature and all old things are passed away and behold, all things are made new. Does that mean we forget where we come from? Absolutely not. But we as Christians, our identity is in Christ. There's neither Jew nor Gentile, slave, nor free, male or female, for all are one in Christ. And so our our identity is in Christ. And so what is the goal? Because we can't lose sight of what the goal is. We can't lose sight of what it's all about. And that's to see people come to Christ, to preach the gospel to all nations. We can't compromise the gospel for the sake of even unity. And so I can't lose the gospel for the sake of aligning with a political party or group or my blackness or or your or 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 whiteness. But we are all one in Christ. I think one of the most beautiful things and I I mentioned this earlier in, in in today's show, but one of the most encouraging things that I've been seeing as a result of the recent tragic events that has transpired in our country and in the world is I've seen the church step up. I've seen believers coming together to worship different ethnicities, white, black, Hispanic, Asian, Indian. I've seen Christians coming together to empathize and love each other. And also 
preach the gospel, share the gospel in the midst of this chaos. And I have seen the church be the example that God has called them to be. And so it's, 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 it's funny, not funny, literally, but it's amazing to me how in, even in the midst of, of tragedy and chaos, how God uses the circumstances to shine the brightest. And I believe one of the reasons is because most people when in, in times like these, and I've even witnessed Christians when, when everything first started going down, there was like a sense of hopelessness. It was like, man, what do I say? Because my emotions are all over the place. But after a while, I, after the dust settled, I begin to see the people of God step up and I've been encouraged by that. But there is still work to be done. And so what we have to ask ourselves as we move forward in this climate, even in the midst of our disagreements, how do we become all things? To all men that we might win some. I'm reminded of first Corinthians chapter chapter nine. Verse 19 through 23, where Paul is talking about becoming all things, and he says, for though I am free from all, in other words, I'm not bound by culture or ethnic barriers or or F or, or, or ethnicity and culture. He says, for though I am free from all, I have made myself a servant to all that I might win more of them. To the Jews, I became as a Jew in order to win Jews to those under the law. I became as one under the law though not being myself under the law. In other words, he understands the new covenant. He understands that he's no longer bound by the traditions or the, or the Mosaic law. He understands that he's no longer bound by, by the old covenant. And, and so he says to those under the law, I became as one under the law, even though I'm not under the law, I became as one under the law that I might win those under the law. So he begins to identify with people in order to win them to those outside the law. I became as one outside the law, not being outside the law of God, but under the law of Christ that I might win those outside the law to those to, to the weak. I became weak that I might win the weak. I have become all things to all people that by all means I might save some. I do it all for the sake of the gospel that I may share with them in its blessings. And I'm going to read that last verse again, because I think this is something that we as the church need to focus on. He says, I do it all for the sake of the gospel. Not for the sake of the Republicans, not for the sake of the Democrats. Not for the sake of my cliques. He says, I do it all for the sake of the gospel that I may share with them in its blessings. 
And so we have to learn how to be like Christ and identify with people's hurt, identify with their story, identify with their with their pain or or a lot of times what we do with people is we want to treat their actions without addressing the root. And so we're so quick to say, oh, man, you're, you're wrong. You're wrong. You're sinning. You're sinning. And listen, I believe in calling sin, sin. But I also believe that we have to be wise as serpents and gentle as doves. We have to be discerning in how we deal with people. And the reality is some people don't care what you have to say until they know that you care for them. And so we have to be equipped to show love. They will know us by our love. They will know us by our love for one another. Some of us are so critical and so judgmental that we that we don't even have any room for compassion. Some of us are so consumed with winning arguments that we no longer care about winning souls. Listen, my goal isn't to win debates. My my goal isn't to win arguments. I want to win people to Christ. And one of the things that I'm realizing is that the judgment begins in the house of the Lord. And so we always have to be examining ourselves and humbling ourselves. Because sometimes we one of the reasons why we can't come into agreement and unison in the spirit is because we're all we're we're talking with each other with the intent of not actually hearing one another. We're talking with one another without the actual intent to love one another. And so we have to demonstrate. The fruit of the spirit. We have to walk in sanctification. We have to remember. Where the Lord, how the Lord saved us, what he pulled us out of. He did not condemn us. He convicted us. There is a difference. Jesus did not condemn Mary Magdalene. He 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 convicted her. He showed love and compassion and he convicted her. He, He showed by love, by love and kindness. Did he draw her? And so we need to display this to the world by love and kindness. Because listen to me. One thing is for sure. The devil is playing both sides. The devil is playing both sides. He's playing on the Democratic side and he's playing on the Republican side. Everybody's pointing the finger. But not many people are repenting. It's hard to repent. When you're always pointing the finger at other people. Because you're never really. Examining yourself. When you become acquainted with your weaknesses. And your sin. 
it allows you to and, and you and, and, and when you see the compassion that and the mercy and God has towards you, despite your sin and the wicked thoughts that you have every day. It's hard to be judgmental towards others. It's hard to condemn others. And so we don't have to get away. We don't have to compromise the gospel. That's not what I'm asking. I'm not asking us to compromise the gospel. I'm not asking us to dumb down the message. But what I'm asking is for us to lead with love. Not in arrogance. Not in pride. But with a confidence that is rooted in love. And so, listen, I pray that I said something today that challenged you guys. And listen, if you guys want to send in prayer requests or suggestions for future shows, go to pathofrevelationnow.com and leave those those requests or questions. Um, if you would like to sow or donate, my cash app is Gabriel T. Parker. Um, you could donate at Path of Revelation now at Gmail for PayPal. And listen, I appreciate you guys support. I'm praying for you. Listen, Christ is still in control and the harvest is still ripe. Listen, thank you guys for listening to the Path of Revelation podcast. And this is where the culture meets scripture. <laughs>